Welcome to Art News Africa podcast, Studio Visits Nigeria, a podcast series about Nigerian artists and their work. The art scene in Nigeria is serving as home to some of the most prominent African artists of our time. Contemporary and modern Nigerian art is full of passion, humor, opinion, strength and diversity. And all this and much more is what you'll get insights to in this podcast series. Getting married and all of that. I usually cause traffic there. This is open confession because I'm taking pictures like people are honking the hell behind me. It's just really beautiful to see this. Massive, this is the voice of Victor Hikemono, a renowned Nigerian artist who you'll meet in this episode. Victor is born in 1970 in a small town in Edo State in Nigeria. He's deeply influenced by his rich cultural heritage of his homeland and his experiences growing up in rural Nigeria. Victor Hikemeno is a multidisciplinary Nigerian artist, best known for his paintings, sculptures and installations that explore the intersections of African art, history and culture. I meet Victor in his studio in Ikoi in Lagos. The studio, which is also featured on the Netflix show Amazing Interiors, is a beautiful building that stands out from the other buildings in the street, with loads of curated greenery coming out of the building, giving it a lush look and feel. On top of Angels and Muse, which is Victor's creative hub for nurturing and empowering artistic talent, we sit in his office and talk. The office has a rich mini-library, beautiful furniture, and empty cognac and whiskey bottles, which have been enjoyed in that office, on which he has painted his signature signs on. They're bronze sculptures, charcoal works, and wood carvings. So the scene is set for a good chat. But before we dive into the chat, let me give you a little more background to who Victor Hikemenor is. His works are characterized by their complex details. He often uses various techniques to create texture and depth. He uses everything from charcoal, photography, acrylic and oil. And lately he's worked a lot with tapestries with rosary beads and crosses. Drawing inspiration from the traditional Edo religion and Catholicism, his detailed rosaries feature a wealth of patterns and symbolism. Through them he explores the intersection of African and Western cultures, showcasing the complex interplay between the two. Throughout his career, Ehikemono has been widely recognized for his contributions to the art world. He has exhibited his works around the world in various galleries and museums, including the Smithsonian National Museum of Art in Washington, D.C., the Biennale in Dakar, Senegal, 2016, where his works were seized in customs and he had to invent a new work, which became one of the most viewed installations at the Biennale, the St. Paul's Cathedral in London, Tyburn Gallery in London, South Africa, Armenia, Germany, France, many, many more. In fact, he was one of the three artists who represented Nigeria during the 2017 Venice Biennale, demonstrating his depth and flexibility of his artistic talent. That was, by the way, the first Nigerian participation in the Biennale. In addition to his achievements as an artist, Ihikamano is also highly regarded as a writer and cultural commentator. He's written extensively on the cultural and historical significance of African art and has been a vocal advocate for promoting and preserving African art and culture. Victor was actually one of the people who kickstarted the debate of the Benin bronzes and the history of those at the Venice Biennale in 2017. Victor accused Damien Hurst on Twitter, of copying a well-known Nigerian brass artwork, the head of Ife, 
without giving it proper historical recognition. Today, Victor is considered one of Nigeria's leading artists, and his works are held in collections worldwide. He continues to work and create new works of art inspiring and engaging audiences. Victor Hikemano is a true master of the art, and it's safe to say that he's made a profound and lasting impact on the art world through his innovative and significant works. So enjoy the podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and like if you do like it and share it with your friends and family. My name is Jonas Schwarzlausten and I'm your host. in a society or even the role of a writer or the role of a photographer, the role of a poet. Uh, <laughs> it's quite different from the role of a soldier or a police of a society. You know, like, as, as, as cliche as it may sound, the artist is like a mirror for the society. You look at the society from, from the usual to the unusual way, then from unusual to usual way again. So that back and forth. That kind of pedalum situation whereby, okay, so today's usual, but this usual, how do I make it unusual, right? Then this unusual, how do I make it usual? Um, how do I see things or reveal things to people from a different perspective? You could be dealing with history, you could be dealing with culture, you could be dealing with beauty, you could be dealing with humanity. And sometimes you could also be dealing with just political issues, right? Um, an artist can't completely devoid itself of the politics of his of humanity or of his country. So my role is kind of um, that in a nutshell, to be a mirror, you understand, to kind of be a reminder for people, kind of a memory rehearsal, to like, okay, this is where we're coming from, this is what we're doing, this is what we're talking about and all of that. And also to use as a voice, as a kind of voice, my work as a voice for, for, for my generation. You know, so people can see the work as like, okay, it's Victor, okay, so who are the artists? Okay, this person, you know, that person, you know. So it, it changes the role, my role as an artist or the role of any other artist, you know, change from day to day, month to month, year to year, you understand, you know. So as you grow older in the, in the, in the creative industry, as you grow older as an artist, the roles begin to change, you understand, from a young artist to be a mid-career artist, to be an elderly statesman, to, you know, and do you think art must play a role in society? I mean, must there be a meaning behind the art for it to be taken seriously, for it to actually, you know, be in society? There cannot be, art cannot be sitting in a void. Once something is created, it can no longer become meaningless. <laughs> Because even if you want it to be meaningless, the meaninglessness of something is also meaning something else, right? Why are you saying it's meaningless? Meaningless to what? To who? So it becomes a meaning. I mean, we can get philosophical on that, right? You know, so art can never not be meaningless, right? So if it's meaningless to you, what about the person that created it? So if we say it's meaningless, does it mean that we are eradicating that person? Are we canceling the artist? To say the work that you have created is meaningless. What does it mean? And all of that. If the person wakes up and says it's an art, it's, a, it's art. If you can buy it to it, you can... I mean, like, white artists put shit in cans and call it 
art, right? They put a dot on the canvas and call it art, and they are in museums. You know, so I think we also should be allowed to do what we want to do. I mean, you don't have to subscribe to every art. Even me as an artist, it's not every art that I like, but it doesn't mean that art is meaningless. Mm. So there is no what for me in my own world, I don't think that there's any art that is meaningless. And so when you create these works, where do you draw your inspiration from? Inspirations come from everywhere. Everything, every day. As long as I'm breathing, I'm song, I'm living, as long as I can see, I can hear, I can smell, I can relate with people, I can relate with humanity and all of that. Inspiration will come. As long as I'm dealing with history. So this hour sitting down today now having this conversation, it could be an inspiration a day after, you know, like in the future, right? So I've collected a lot of information in the past. I've visual, audio, and all of that that now seeping into my work. So inspiration comes from different things. Every day when I'm coming to work this week, I pass through the Koyi uh, marriage registry, and I see people happily getting married and all of that. I usually cause traffic there. This is open confession because I'm taking pictures, like people are honking the horn behind me. It's just really beautiful to see this massive mass wedding on the street and all of that people wearing see kids fathers and all of that whereas you can also go to buckingham palace and see a palace wedding you can go to some of the biggest uh hotel you know somebody is doing a big wedding reception go to a big church here but here there's a small micro part of that that is really pure honest it's not overboard it's like, this is what I have. I'm going to wear a wedding gown to a, wed to a marriage registry, like a government marriage registry. You understand? I would call it white wedding, right? So, but they could go to maybe Korodu or Ekbe or Isaliko to go and have a big shiding, you understand? Like a big traditional wedding that is very elaborate and everything. But, you know, like, let's give to Caesar what is Caesar's and what, you know, so... So that is an inspiration for me, you know, as a photographer, as a writer, then someday as an artist, you understand? I'm also comparing that to when I was in Vegas, whereby I would see people just doing drive-by wedding, right? So I was in downtown, and I did a series of drawings just comparing what I see in Lagos. Even what I call small is very elaborate, right? So whereas in, 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 uh, in Vegas, we just have these small places that look like shrine, uh, wedding, this one, uh, chapel, and they are small, they are just like shrines. Mm. They are not churches, they are not, they just go there and give you a certificate, you are not married in the state, you are not married in the state of Nevada. You know, so I do that cross examination of different cultures and, and you know, kind of like make comparisons to them and those kind of things inspire me. So every day inspire me, every 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 moment of life inspire me as long as I wake up and you know and see things, I'm inspired. And what, what about the historical aspect of it? Because you've worked, obviously, a lot with, uh, you know, your heritage from uh, from Benin. Yeah. How does that affect you as a person, and how does that translate into your uh, to your art practice? That's natural for me. Mm. That's like saying, how is my Nigerian being Nigerian? I'm an Edo person. We are once we are once a nation, so that didn't leave a lot of us. That that is part of my DNA to be. This is my country, you know. So yes, it's a country within the country. Um, being from the Benin Kingdom and being from one of the most uh, vibrant, most amazing art makers in the history of mankind, 
I, I have, I have, I have, I mean, like, the, 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 the whole song cannot suddenly stop under my watch. So, and I have, you know, very large shoulders that I'm, that I'm standing on, and I have to reference that. You know, I grew up to realize that when I was younger, you know, like, you start pulling figs and, and branches from different places and all of that to build your nest. Meanwhile, you own the trunk of the tree, right? So... It suddenly dawns on me that, look, you're from this kingdom, and these are things, you know, so I started visiting museums and stuff, and I see the works, Benin Kingdom, Benin Kingdom, Benin Kingdom, and this is where I grew up. So it was a self-reflection, and suddenly I realized that naturally it just started like, okay, all right, you know, so it comes naturally to me. For me to do anything that people call Benin-related, or this is just, it's a natural, it's a natural flow of things for me. I, I didn't formulated, you understand? Speaking English was something I learned, right? Um, you know, there are a lot of things, that, but there are things that came to me naturally. So being an Edo person, being an Edo artist, my art is naturally like that. It flows through my, you know, my grand, my, my maternal grandfather was was a blacksmith that made jewelries, you understand? My mom painted walls and all of that. Growing up in the village, uh, the women were there that were painting the walls. We have shrines that were nicely decorated, best any any shrine, other shrines or places of commemorations in the world. You know, so you begin to look at those things that you consume as a kid, those visual languages that you actually learnt as a kid and everything. You see them manifesting, and you know, so and yeah, you know, in a situation in a place where um, back in the days. You ask yourself, like, okay, so there were no MFAs, right? <laughs> there were no art department. How did you become an artist, right? How did you learn to cast bronze? Because in a family of 10, there could probably just be two bronze casters. That means that you are naturally chosen already. It's not like, okay, so you have interest in it, you begin to learn it and everything, but the interest has to be natural first. It's not because, oh, because farming is there, Wood logging is there, hunting is there. We're talking about, we're, let's go back to 14th century or there about. There were other things that you could have done other than making art. So you were like a priest in the society that was chosen first by the gods, right? Because you come with it. You were born with that natural instinct to want to paint, to want to sculpt, to want to carve a wood, to want to like, okay, how do I make something else out of this thing, right? So... For me, as an adult person, to become an artist that I am today, I believe that is where I'm coming from. I'm coming from that whole line that this is natural to me. I didn't go to any art school, um, you know, to learn how to paint, to learn how to draw, to learn how to sculpt. And over time, do you, do you find your practice has changed? There's evolution. Yeah. <laughs> Every artist will have evolution. Otherwise, you are dead. You understand what I'm saying, you know? So, except you stop doing, I didn't stop painting. I didn't stop drawing. I didn't stop making art. So, there has to be an evolution. I'm, and my prayer and hope is that the evolution is, is to greater heights, not like, okay, it's depreciating, you understand? Like, am I doing bigger stuff? Am I doing newer stuff? Am I doing more exciting stuff and all of that? You know, so it started from painting with a drawing on the sand, you know, drawing with chalks on the walls, drawing with pencil, move to ink, move to poster colors, acrylic. Uh, now we are talking, then I'm going back home now to go and start doing bronze casting and doing all of that stuff to working with rosaries now, working, you know, so there's, 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 there's evolution. So yes, of course the works have changed. I have changed as a person as well, you understand? But the whole thing is that you remain true to yourself. 
mm. as an artist, right? So it's not like, oh, today this is what is happening, I have to jump there the tomorrow. No, I'm in my lane. And it's a continuum. Yeah. And I, and I think that that is very, you know, re reflected in, in the types of different works that you, uh, that, that you make. And through that development that you've been through, yeah. uh, and I guess you're still in it, yeah. um, how do you, I mean, do you research for new forms of, uh, you know, uh, shapes and forms, new uh, media, new uh, colors, new uh, types of ink? Um, what, what kind of research do you do for your continued development? First, I surrender myself to constantly learn. She must surrender yourself to learning first. I'm a perpetual student, right? Because once you say, oh, I'm just, this is it, right? So I guess not going to probably a, a former school for art. I mean, it's not like I didn't go to school, but not going to school to study art helped me, give me the freedom to try things. I see some people are very like fixated with, oh, I must only use oil, or I must only use acrylic. So they never really explore uh, other materials, right? So, but I question materials. I love trying different materials like that. So I did Neo last year, right? So I worked with Neo tubes, but I use Neo to create my own language, mm. right? So I look at materials, right? So I'm like, yeah, I already have a language that I'm speaking. So it's like writing a novel or writing a poem or writing an essay or writing a presidential speech. Okay, so the primary language you are using is English. How do you deploy the English? Am I writing poetry? Am I writing short stories? Am I writing dictionary? That will even tell me what a word means, right? That is how I see my lines. That is how I see my art as a talent first. Then where does the creativity come in? Is What do you do with that talent? A lot of people have talents, but they are not creative. It's a bit hard to define or, or delineate, right? So... For me, I'm like, okay, I look at the door, the door of my house, I created it by myself. I look at things, because it's just like growing up in the village, you make things for yourself. Today, everything was ephemeral, kind of. You make a toy today, tomorrow is bad. You make another one, you create another one, you create excitement for yourself. That is how I grew up, and that has never really changed. I've never like changed from that kid that was playing in the village, testing everything, walking with woods, walking with sticks, walking with leaves, walking with palm fronds, drawing on the walls of his grandmother, his mom, and his grandfather, observing things, how they are done, and all of that. So I see art in everything. So is that your explanation for what makes up an, a good artist as well? I wouldn't say, I don't know how to define what is a good artist. Mm. I, I, won't, I won't fall into that, pit, uh, uh, <laughs> that, that quick sound of like, who is a good artist? Every artist is good. It's like, say your mother is ugly, but is it ugly to the son? It's ugly to you. What parameters are you using? What are the features of an ugly person? What, what, are, you, what are you comparing it with? So I don't say that there is no, uh, you know, there is, there is no bad artist, there is no bad art. Mm. For me, personally, there are people that would do, for the critics, for the curators, for the collectors, yes, but there might be something that doesn't speak to you. If it doesn't speak to you, does it mean it's bad art? No. It's just that it does not speak to you. Some people like fair-skinned women, some people like dark-skinned women, some people like white women, some people like black women, some people like black men, some people like... So it's, it's a choice that you make. 
um, you know, do we have, I mean, I guess, like, maybe psychologists know what makes you make the choices you make, say that, like, is it the culture you grew up in and all of that? There are art that don't speak to me completely. And there are people that my art does not speak to. Aesthetically, physically, spiritually, it doesn't speak to them. And they could even be from my village. With the history uh, in mind, with your development in mind, yeah. with you know your um, where you draw your inspiration from, and so on, do you think about you know your legacy in the sense that I mean that you would like to be compared to uh, a few different artists, or is it that you compare yourself, or that you can see traits of your own work in other artists' work? I mean, obviously, there's inspiration in, in all other artists' works to some degree. In this. Yes. But how do you think about, you know, what, what's left behind when you're not here anymore? Do, do, you, do you think about if people compare you to somebody, who would that be? Or If, if I engage myself with that, I will, I will stop doing what I'm doing. Nothing will be organic anymore. Nothing will be organic anymore. But of course, there are people that I look at, there are artists that I look at, and I just smile because I see that even before I discovered these artists did what has been documented, right? I am doing them without knowing that that's actually what I was doing. That's what they did. And eventually, when they left the planet, somebody now collates all the things that were doing. They, didn't, they weren't doing it because, oh, like, oh, I'm going to keep journaling every day. I keep drawing every day on papers and everything and all of that. Since you've been here now, I have, I have, because that is it. It's incessant. I'm not doing that because I like, oh, I want to be known as this thing. No, of course. You know, so Picasso did a lot of paperwork, just drawing incessantly, making works in different form and all of those things. But I'm not going to go far and say, okay, Picasso is my inspiration. No. But he's well documented for me to know that I have similarities of things that Picasso has done. I'm not comparing myself to Picasso. I mean, that would be like, okay... You are getting over your head right here. You understand what I'm saying? But when I read a lot of about his books, I, I read, I read, I, I see his monograph and all of those things. I see that those are exactly some of the things that I do on daily basis, on the way I create things, on the way I make things and all of those things. But I'm not even going to go that far. Okay, so I look at El, El Anatsui, you know, and I see how he has worked with different materials over the years and everything has make you know, things that, that are very hard and make them soft, okay, as a sculptor, as an artist. You know, he's worked with pots, he's worked with wood, uh, clay, he's worked with iron, he's worked with paper, he's, now he's working with, you understand, bottle caps that are stretched and all of those things. And I'm not going to like, the, the, those, are those are inspirations, right? It shows that there are possibilities that what you're doing, you are not crazy as well. Some, because sometimes you're like, why am I even doing this? But you see, those that are older than you, what they have done, like, I like that. I like what this person has done. I like that restlessness that is harnessed, that is like a dam, like you say, say, say fast-flowing water, but you dam it every now and then to harness the energy out of it, you know? So I like that. To say, to start thinking of legacy and all of that, I don't think any artist worth his honor should be thinking about, oh, I'm going to create stuff because of legacy. As long as you call yourself artist, as long as you have had collectors have collected your works as long as that you have created anything you've written things down all of those things i think the legacies will take care of itself because you have to look at their, their legacy is not something that you can force 
there are massive, wonderful artists that were like the most amazing in their times, both Western and, and, and uh, African artists. But today you really don't hear of them, you can't read them in books, then maybe in another 100 years before somebody else is going to stumble on those work, then you have skipped a century before another century now discover you and all of that. So legacy is not something that I wake up one day or go to bed thinking, what legacy am I creating? If I can feed my family, if I can, if I can, if I can pay my kids' school fees and make sure that they are doing right in society, I think that is enough of a living legacy for me, if you ask me. Thank you very much, Victor. Thanks for taking time to uh, chat a little bit with me on, on uh, you and your life as an artist. And uh, thank you very much for uh, sharing your, uh, your view on, on art in, in your life. Um, there's this cup in your office here where it says, life is art, art is life. I never separate it. I will. will. And uh, <laughs> I, I think that captures it uh, quite exactly. well, doesn't it? Exactly. Yeah. So, well, thank you very much. Thank you, Jonas. It's a pleasure. Thank you for listening to Art News Africa podcast, Studio Visits Nigeria. This episode was with Victor Hikamanor. My name is Jonas Vatslaustin, and I'm your host. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to help support the podcast, please subscribe and leave a rating and a review. And if you really, really liked it, why not tell all your friends and family about it so that we can get even more people interested in the Nigerian contemporary art scene. The Art News Africa podcast on studio visits in Nigeria is produced and edited by myself, Jonas Vatslaustin. The music is from Pixabay and the theme song is by the Nigerian singer-songwriter Falana, who kindly lent her piece for this podcast. Thanks, Falana. Much appreciated. And many thanks to Leonard Stiegler, the founder of Art News Africa, and his team for making this podcast happen, and for loads of encouragements along the way. If you want updates about the Nigerian and African art scene more frequently, you can sign up for Art News Africa's newsletter on the website artnewsafrica.com. Find us on Instagram at artnewsafrica. And lastly, we have a book coming out soon about artists that are featured in this podcast series. The book features their studios and their work processes. We'll let you know once we publish. Stay tuned. <laughs>